Anime Pulse, episode 560. Joseph, your host of Anime Pulse, back again to bring you another Drambuli-fueled episode. <sighs> Delicious. Mm, 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 mm. Joining me, as uh, of course he always does, is Andrew Chan. Yep, cheers to you with my beer, Kirin beer specifically. Uh, not going sober this week. No, no, I'm, I'm, I wasn't as, I'm fully, I'm fully cured, so it's time to get back in the game, I guess. Ah, uh, excellent. My yes, I, I am yeah. uh, enjoying my Drambuli on the day before um, Memorial Day, so uh, oh, time date. Oh, that's an American holiday for what? Uh, it's to honor veterans? No, that's Veterans Day. It's to honor those who've fallen in combat? I think their memories or something like that. Oh. Thus Memorial Day, I think. I'm not completely sure. All I know is that it is uh, Firework Day version 2.0. Uh, version 1.0 ah. being Independence Day. Right, right. Have you seen... Uh, you know who Tommy Wiseau is, right? I've heard of the name, yes. He's the guy who did The Room and stuff. You know, oh, hi, Mark, and stuff. You know, the... One of the most awkward, like, cringiest sort of films ever made that's so bad it's good. Uh, Never heard of him? Tommy. With so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, he actually did a, he did like an advert for Memorial Day. I'm just going to forward it to you here. Watch this at your own leisure. Uh, (laughs) It's amazing. He's still incredibly awkward in it. But this is this is my first time where I ever heard of Memorial Day was through Tommy Wiseau, which is how everybody should hear hear about any holiday for the first time through this guy. He's just a genius. But anyway, sorry, digress. Hmm. It's Memorial Day. Don't be afraid. Yeah, he looked like someone else. Like my father was just watching The Saint a couple days ago, and he looked uh-huh. like. Uh, uh, he looked like one of the characters from that movie. Oh, right. The weird Botox, but large face with that long brown curly hair. Yeah, he's he's a weird alien-looking man. 
the uh, James Franco and stuff did a film about him with the disaster artist last year I believe perhaps uh, if you heard of it rampants asking me which uh, the saint I'm talking about I think it's the original the saint I'm talking about um, yeah. it's the movie of course not the TV show uh-huh and it is uh who was it right okay so it's a 1997 film the saint which is the uh val kilmer version and it featured a character in it that maybe no that wasn't it it was like on the airplane there's this dude who's like holding out a cross to uh, oh, yeah. a girl and he's he's got like black hair i think that might be val kilmer wearing like a wig or something i'm not sure um but yeah uh the, the saint 1997 air airplane airplane scene oh yeah there it is huh um trying to yeah okay here it is um copy image address and share to everyone here oh there we go that's who it is ah he does look a bit like him I see yeah yeah, so that's Val Kilmer. He looks a little bit like Val Kilmer. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Not as good looking as Val Kilmer, but yeah. I can see the resemblance. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. So, with uh, with that little bit of uh, interlude out of the way, let's, uh, let's get into our IRL news. Mm, sure. So, right. how have you been? I've been pretty well. Um, this week, <clears throat> it's uh, been pretty good for work. Um, you know, it's uh, been more team building, trying to get like the girls to understand what their respective roles are going to be in the coming future of Arnoff, this the company, and what my job is going to be. I'm starting to become more and more and more involved in these higher level like company meetings and. Uh-huh. Uh like like managers being other, you know, managers and supervisors and like my supervisors being like, "Hey Joseph, come with me for a bit." And I'm always like, "Am I being fired? What did I do wrong?" And of course, <laughs> like he's just like, "All right, so we got a new client. We're going to be doing this blah blah blah." And it's like, I'm the first person he's talking about this with. And I'm I'm like, "Holy shit, like I'm becoming important." Oh my god. You're going to be the guy next Board of Directors, here you come. <laughs> Board of Directors, yeah. yeah. We we have a CEO and we have a, a vice president and stuff like that, but I don't think we have a board. Hmm. I see. Hmm. Ah, I forgot no, to turn no. my clock off. Oh. Yeah, if you can that. hear what the I... donging yeah. in the background. Mm, just slightly. Shouldn't be too big. Uh, you also might hear the fireworks in the background because of the uh, pre-Memorial Day fireworks celebrations, since I live in Puerto Ricoville, 
or as it's known mm-hmm. as uh, in a in New York State as Amsterdam. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, Will you there be joining of... in the festivities? No, I do not. New. Participate in large festival like things like that. If I ever did go to Japan, I'd definitely participate in like I would love to go to, like one of those like like you know festivals where like they have like all the booths set up and the cotton candy out there and the candied apples and stuff and the masks and whatnot that you can buy and you can play like all the different games. That'd be pretty cool. Uh huh. But yeah, I yeah. America festivals are just like money, 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 money. Mm-hmm. And preferably uh, oh. with a special someone, right? Yeah, with a special someone or with your family or something like that. But mm-hmm. I have neither. And when I mean family, mm-hmm. I mean like your family with your kids and your wife and stuff like that. I don't mean like oh, I'm going with my daddy or my mommy. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a bad not thing unless you are a kid. But I've reached that age yeah. where I'm no longer a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still, of course, waiting to hear back, uh, speaking about growing up, waiting to hear back from the apartments on my application to the Blue Heron Trail Apartments, Uh huh. which uh, will put me a lot closer to work, about like 15 minutes out from where I would be working. Um, Much more convenient, yep. Much more convenient, indeed, Uh, which would make it super fast to get there. The downsides are that there'd be no garage parking there's Ah. no way for me really to charge my car around there um so i don't know what i do about that situation unless like we get like a car charging station at the workplace which we might because we're expanding arnoff into a campus it might be able to allow me to charge my car up there which would be great Uh, i basically never have to spend money on gas at all because I just drive 15 minutes to work, charge my car up, leave it charged the entire time, unplug it when I come out, and drive home. <laughs> that would be that'd be my life. Yeah, that's very convenient and cost efficient as well. So yeah, hopefully that all goes through. Yeah, until I turn about like in my 40s and 50s, where I'm going to start thinking about retirement. Because um, as it stands now, I will retire when I turn 67. Ah, I see. Yep. It's not a bad age. It's all right. Not, not terrible. I still will have about, you know, like somewhere in the range of uh, 25 years of life left. So, you know, not terrible. That's plenty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, uh, I will have... Uh, I'll have 1%. Uh, that's, uh, that's the... See, Zeldera, that's the cool thing about a 401k. Right now I have one percent, um, at or well, right now I have six percent coming out of my paycheck, pre-tax, every paycheck going to my four hundred one k. Then I have it going up by one percent every single year, so it goes all the way up to sixteen percent. Sixteen percent will mean that by the time I retire, I'll have somewhere in the range of two million dollars. In my 401k. Sweet. Mm. Yep. Uh, and most of that will go to healthcare. Uh, based upon what I've been looking at. Healthcare in America is at the current rates will cost me somewhere in the range of $7,000 a month. Oh, 
Mm-hmm. And of course, that's see, but you've got things planned out. That's good. That's just without um, without social security, which I don't know if uh. social security will exist by the time I retire. I'm kind of actually hoping it doesn't because social security is shit, and it really should just go away because it only existed for one purpose, and that was to help the uh, the baby booming generation and the war and shit like that. Like we need to get rid of it. Like it is a drain on our society. And people who don't save up money and just live off Social Security for the rest of their lives should just, you know, face the facts that that's not the way to live life. Like, you got to save money. Yeah, yeah. No. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I'm making a great choice here, when I, what I'm doing with my money. Uh, aside from my adult situation, um, I went for an excellent walk yesterday perfect walking weather here finally um for once it was a little overcast but it was around like 75 degrees with a nice light wind blowing and i walked in my boots because my uh, shoes from walking last time tore my feet up so i'm probably going to just junk those and just wear my boots from now on and holy moly wearing hiking boots walking on concrete it's not fun. <laughs> and no. My legs are like the just like the shins feel like they're like the muscles in the shins are like high strung right now. Like they are on fire from yesterday's walk still, which uh, I'm fine Oof. with. So yeah, yeah, I I can put up with that. I'm just more worried that my legs will cramp up on me while I'm sleeping because that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I the, have the important this... part is to kind of do a cool down period. I find after it's done, you know, just have these, just do the right stretches before and afterwards, and it should minimize it. Yeah, um, that's the thing I don't do. I'd never stretch ever. Ah, okay. Yeah, that will help. That'll help uh, untense the muscles. So, yeah, <laughs> go with that. And uh, extreme cases, use an ice bucket. But you know, that's extreme. If you really, if it's really hurting, shove my leg in an ice bucket. Shh. And just see steam. So yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I've been playing some more Overwatch. I've been very much enjoying the uh, anniversary event that's been going on. Uh, basically, Ooh. for the anniversary event, they've unlocked all the skins except for the um, location specific or merchandise specific skins. So like, uh, you can't. No one can ever get the Noir skin for. Widowmaker, unless you pre-ordered the game, because that's never available, which is fine, because that's an ugly-ass skin. Um, oh, is it? <laughs> it's not worth yeah. it, even. All right. But there's, but she also has, like, the Kerrigan skin, which only unlocks if you have a code from purchasing the um, the newer version of StarCraft. Like, the StarCraft mm. remastered version that came out. If you bought that, you get a code that you can enter in, and bada-bing, bada-boom, you got Kerrigan skin for Widowmaker, which looks pretty good, but it's basically the same skin as Nova, just with brown hair instead of uh, instead of blonde. Ah, right, okay. It's not a huge change, to be honest, but... Not really. Um, Some but people will prefer it. They do make all the other skins available. The holiday-specific skins, they put at a premium, however. They make them 3,000 credits instead of the... Uh, standard 2000. Uh-huh. Uh, they also allow you to play 
the game modes from all the different holiday events. They rotate them out. So right now, the Retribution event, which was the most recent event, um, is currently going on. And you can actually play that and earn the achievements in it for the standard uh, four-player mode. It's a cooperative game type, which is fun in Overwatch. But holy shit, the jump between hard difficulty and expert difficulty are fucking insane. Really steep. Oh, yeah. Like, I can't even imagine what the legendary difficulty would be like. I just... I don't even think about ever trying that, but I can't get through expert. Like, every single time, we're almost at the... We always get killed by the same big bad guy when it comes to it, too, because we end up making it most of the way through the map until you run into the first... um, the first heavy assault unit, and he just fucks the shit out of our team. Like, he does not care about our weapons at all and, the, and McCree doesn't do his job unless I'm McCree and then Moira's not doing her job and it's like you really do need a team that's communicating with each other to make it through expert difficulty yeah it needs to be really on point but that's, that's the hardest possible difficulty correct so you know you no is, uh, uh, legendary oh, is the Shit. hardest god damn alright yep. And there's two achievements tied to Expert. There's beating the game on Expert, and there's beating the game on Expert without having any of your teammates downed. Is that really difficult to do, I take it? Yeah, because you yeah. most of the team in that game mode is... Oh, all of the team in that game mode has pretty light health bar. Um, uh-huh. You have a healer who's Moira, who's not bad at healing, but teammates have to hold the fuck still when they're being healed because she can't chase you around to heal you because she has like a spray heal. So if you're not right in front of her, you're only going to get like a whiff of healing and you're not going to get healed up at all. Ah, right. Okay. Um, But I, I enjoyed playing that. I beat the hard mode. I beat normal mode. I got the achievement for playing all of them. As uh, as all the different types of characters, which is great. Uh, oh, and Fire Emblem Heroes, because I didn't talk about hey. it last time. But uh, yeah, Fire yeah. Emblem Hero news. So the brides are going <laughs> on right now, of course. Yes. And there's some other characters that are going on. I didn't get. Uh, I didn't get. Uh, well, Tharja bride yeah. yet, but the ah, game was yeah. nice. It did give me a gold character. It did give me a theme-specific gold character. It gave me uh, uh, um, uh, Nina, Ninia. Uh, wait. Oh, you wait. Is she the blue-haired dragon? Yeah, Ninian? the dragon girl. Yes. Yeah, Ninian. That's Ninian. Ninian with like she's the good. dance, she's and really she's good. a flying unit. Oh, hey, that's a really good one. Congratulations. I did. She was probably my second favorite of all of like the theme specific ones that came out for this banner. Yeah, between me so, and you, that's the one I want the most. As you can see <laughs> in the picture there, I actually got the Tharja. Well, if um, uh, so, if we could if trade, you, if we could trade, yeah. You want to trade? Uh, I'll take Tharja, um, and you can have Ninian. And I would we'll, take the uh, dragon. Mm-hmm. Like, goddamn, they need to put trading in this fucking game. Like, I would put so many of these characters up and just be like, give me Tharja, but you already have one. Give me another one. But that's a rare skin. Give me another one. Mm-hmm. Do it. It's like, I'll just have a team of Tharjas and one Robin. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> It'll be like, yeah. goodbye, Robin. We'll never see you again. <laughs> yeah, it's going to get locked away for her. They would all f- I don't think they would share. They'd all fight over that one Robin, though, to be fair. Well, if you did it like all different theme-specific Tharjas, they'd definitely fight over them, but at the same time, there'd be some orgies. No doubt. <laughs> Bottom line, yeah. It's going down. That's... That's the that's the jam. That's their jam. Also, so you managed to get one of the event characters. That's good. If you yeah. have noticed, they've put another bridal event up as well for the old brides from last I year. I saw that, and I was like, "All right, the only character I really want there is uh, the Cordelia." Blonde. Yeah, the Cordelia oh, no. bride. Oh no, it's not, Bridget, not Cordelia. The um, oh, I was the just it's Bridget. Bridget. Yeah, it's Bridget. Yeah, it's Bridget. Okay. How come? Is it just her smile? Her. Oh, the she's design, like, or? yeah, she's like, you know, kind of like a crazy, muscly type character, female character. Um, she's also I think like she only cares about money, right? Yes, she she's heavily money? into yeah. money. Not so much as like uh, Anna? Anna or Anna. You know, even in Anna and all of her uh, romances, she's always like, I guess I found someone I love almost as much as money, and it's like, the fuck you say? <laughs> I spent all that time with you. And you're going to still say money's more important? All right, I get it. Money is more important. It's mm-hmm. true. But And eventually she learns to prioritize one thing more than money, but it's not you, it's Morgan, her daughter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, my husband can, you know, you know, he can just, like, take a hike, but my daughter. So it's like, Morgan, money, my husband. Mm-hmm. It's like, come on, I'm trying hard here. And she's like, you give me more money, maybe. And one thing to keep you alert about, actually, on that, in regards to that subject, is that there will be a new Legendary Heroes banner coming out, like, 5th next month, by the way. Oh. So you may want to start saving. You uh, tell me to save, but, one. like, it gives you no chance to save orbs nowadays. Because <laughs> there's, so there's a Tempest trial coming out, well, currently out right now, which is an opportunity to get quite a lot. It's a fucking stuff. slog to get any orbs oh, in yeah. this game, unless you buy them. <laughs> and it's I, never I, I worth it. I to scrape by. To buy them. <laughs> Unless, like, you do get lucky and you get the Tharja on the first mm-hmm. roll, and it's like, all right, now I get a bunch of orbs I can spend. Do, 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 do. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's the give, it's the give and take. It's the roll of the, roll of the dice, you know? But sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Yeah, when I was, uh, when I was getting my characters, I really should have, like, been more frugal with orbs, because when you first start the game, you get a shit ton of orbs. Like, the game's just like... Oh, yeah. Just, like, handing you orbs left and right. But then, like, later uh-huh. on in the game, it comes so hard. Well, I was spending orbs like I was a fucking maniac. I was just like, oh, 100 orbs. Spend, 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 spend. Oh, I got 500 yeah. gold characters. I'll just get rid of them because I don't like them. Goodbye, 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 goodbye. Mm-hmm. I'm, not lo- yeah. I'm not lying when I said when I say that I have sent around 10 gold characters home. I've just been like, you've goodbye. Actually, you've gotten rid of gold characters. Yes, wow. I've been like, I don't like you. Goodbye. Huh. Like, yeah, I don't think not, you're all very useful. Goodbye. Not even worth uh, inheriting skills or anything? Just I didn't home? I didn't care about that back then. And I want to ah. kill myself because, goddamn, they have the like, skills. I was like, oh. Yeah. Because <laughs> some, some of them, like, five-star characters have access to some rare skills that you can't get on. Yeah. Four star ones. Oh my god! It depends oh, on the ones, of course. But fucking yeah. feathers for them, just kill me. Yeah, which to be fair, you can use the feathers to make more five stars. So true. There's that. True. Yep. Yep. 
All right, well, there uh, there you have it. That's, uh, that's everything that's going on for me right now. What uh, What's going on with you? Okay, well, you partially just got my Fire Emblem news there anyway, which, you know, I got the, just to recap, I got the wedding, the bridal Tharja, and there was also the, um, I also got another Tana, which is a Pegasus Knight as well. Uh-huh. And then also, uh, they released another banner today with uh, these other older characters, like Aera and Zelgius and stuff on it. Yep. And I, I I only had enough to do the... F- I, only, I just did the freebie draw, you know, where you could just redeem and do one draw for free on yeah. the banner. And I actually got the five-star Zelgius from it. So I was like, nice. yeah, sweet. Yeah, very lucky to get the, from the first draw on that. So that was good. They very also put out uh, the Morgan banner. There. They put uh-huh. out another one today. Yeah, that's it. That's the Morgan, Zelgius, and something oh, okay. on it, right. Yeah, so that's the one I got the five star one from today, just by luck. So that was pretty good. I actually wanted Zelgius the most, so I went for the red, but you know. Oh, do you already that. have Morgan? Hmm? Do you already have Morgan? No, I, she's my second choice there. Um, it would be nice to have a flying mage, but Zelgius is like top tier. He's like god tier S. Plus. Like, we're talking one of the best units in the game, so. You know, I was going to prioritize him overall anyway, because, you know best unit so in uh, terms of strength and use so i'm going for strategy i was um, just when i went for it i mm-hmm. was just like oh like i've got morgan and then i was like wow that is one tight ass skirt like whoo that girl and that moves like that thing hugs her butt and i was like i mm. didn't look at the portrait actually perhaps yeah, yeah. her portrait like when you look wolves, at her skirt like yeah. that skirt is like squeezing those thighs and it's like mm, mm, mm. <laughs> I'm glad she's not my I, daughter. I, I... <laughs> I have to say, I didn't, I didn't actually notice that. I don't that need to pull I a Trump and save. I don't care if she's my daughter. I'm saying. Relevancy. Is that, is, that your, uh, is that your Trump impersonation there? My Trump impersonation? Uh, my yeah, Trump yeah. impersonation's uh, grab her by the pussy. Ah, the, the also famous line. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So, yeah, there's that. Uh, there was actually a slight controversy there, actually, that I did want to mention. What do you think about this? You know the um, the banner with the bridal characters on it, right? Okay. Now, you got Tharja. Yep. You got Ninian. Yep. And one of the bride characters is Sanaki, like this lollyish character. Yes. And that kicked up a slight controversy amongst, like, the com- I suppose the Fire Emblem community, because in the original game that she's from, she's 10. Okay. And so, like, they have they take issues because she's in this bridal event. It's a fictional character. Rules don't apply uh, yeah, there. Exactly. Like, seriously, yeah. I have I absolutely your... no care. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Especially since, again, her title isn't like bride or anything like that. It's a wedding. It's like a romance wedding event. But to me, I just imagine like a little girl dressed up as a princess from one of her Disney films. You know, you can take it in so many different ways, but. I'm I'm glad that you had that approach too. Just wanted to just wanted to confirm. That's fine. Uh, I guess if that we could. Pr- oh yeah. Also, I uploaded a uh, another part of Doki Doki Literature liter- Literature Club. That's one of the harder words to say when you're drunk. Um, up onto the YouTube. So you know, if you're interested, have a look. It's when the shit actually hits the fan. Don't want to give any spoilers, but you know, I was shocked. Yes. And <laughs> apart from that nothing really much else so i guess i could just move on to the community stuff we have no comments on the site so it's all forum today which is good we can skim through this pretty quick we got one post on the ed ones by margie b 
who says, a little late to the party, but I had to mention this ED. This is one. Of, this is a one-off ED in episode 7 of Baka to Test 2. The song goes something like this. I'm eating egg on rice in my sanctuary, the bathroom stall. Suddenly, an accident occurs, and I sense a disturbing smell. The guy in the next stall is eating curry. Seriously, eating curry in the bathroom is bad manners. I lost everything. I want to protect this private place. I gathered up my courage and hit the wall and looked into the stall next to me, only to find my other self sitting there. It makes zero sense, and it has nothing to do with the episode, but it fits the hilarious nonsense that is back at the test. I don't actually remember this ED, but if those are the lyrics, I never looked into them, but that's pretty funny. And then the next one is in context with last week's uh, one about anime you'd want to be turned into a video game. So there I wrote about Speedgrapher, about a game in which you know you use your photograph, your photography skills. And in response to that, Inoku S. Blonde chimes in, which I'll let you take that away. Okay, alright, Innocuous, you're really trying to hammer home here, like, the bell thing's not working out, so uh, (laughs) I'm just going to overdo it again. So you say dude? I'm not going to say dude. I can't, I've tried to, like, I did pre-show, like, trying to, like... Oh yeah, uh, he rehearsed. I rehearsed? rehearsed, I can't say dude in a southern bell bell voice, like, it doesn't work. So... I'm going to start out with mm-hmm. That's Pretty Rad, so I'll start out there. <clears throat> that sounds pretty rad. Somewhat reminds me of how you photograph baddies in Bioshock. Googles what that was really quick. With the research camera to get bonuses. Except that's a side benefit rather than an outright attack, as in yours. Very cool idea. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So. And uh, also, again, good performance as always. Great. Keep those comments in particular coming in with uh, words that are don't fit a southern bell innocuous. Yeah, just great. make it even more difficult for me there, Blondie. Make the job as hard as possible. It makes it challenging and, and more fun for us. <laughs> challenging. Maybe not for Joseph, but for everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, that does remind me, this won't be something that Zaldar would play, but you know, another game we use a camera to combat enemies. Have you heard of Fatal Frame? Before. Have sure. I heard of Fatal Frame? Yes. I think I may have heard of that game somewhere. Hmm, I may have heard of it. Scary horror game, camera, lots of ghosts. Yeah. Yeah, I skill girls. I've mm-hmm. been through watching people play that game so many times, specifically four player podcasts because Huh. Ah. <laughs> the fucking the fucking crawling ghost scare in that game fuck oh, yeah. fatal frame it's, they know their horror the, the the japanese with their games jesus fucking the, the camera is such a great idea with it god they're so good with the cameras where it's just like oh i'm crawling under a thing i wonder if i can pull my camera up oh my fucking god i can pull it up still <laughs> god damn uh-huh. it and then you just hear noise and it's like you think this game's game's good at making you think some scary is going to happen when it isn't, and then all of a sudden you just, you know you're in combat under a fucking stairwell, and you're looking around like this ghost is like crawling at you, and it's like fuck this shit, I'm out. Screw <laughs> you guys, I'm going home. Yeah, wait a second, I am home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I I would I eventually want to play those games actually personally. I I've heard good things about them, and I like horror games, so yeah. Definitely up my street. But yeah, I don't think Zaldera would, because to my knowledge, he doesn't like horror games, so yeah, won't really work for him. But yeah, I can move on to today's topic, which is about quirks in anime, not the Boku no Hero Academia sort, which is like their superpowers, but 
rather memorable sort of designs, voices, etc. Like a certain laugh, verbal tick, or a gesture. Anime's got a lot of those throughout different series, so this is about sharing your favourite quirks down below, and perhaps the characters they belong to if they exist. So, the first reply comes in from Rampant AI, and that rhymes. Wow, haunting the forums right now when Andrew is posting a new topic, so I noticed that. There was this weird, like, solar eclipse moment where there was, like, more than three people online. It was fucking nuts. Anyway, uh, seriously though, the first quirk I think of is the one where a character with glasses pushes them back up on their face, from a position slightly lower down their nose. It's a trope that one scene you cannot miss, and it can become annoying if done too often or without the right timing. My initial reaction was that Japan must have an issue with a lot of off-the-shelf, off non-personalized eyeglasses as a general practice, but that they often, uh, such that they do, often do not fit the wearer's head and face properly. Uh, also, on another note, it, I have that sort of problem with myself and people think, oh, you're trying to imitate this. No, I've got a very flat nose. And that might be a case for a lot of people. That might be the trope where it's coming from. But anyway, uh, but then it's often taken as a hilarious extremes, as if as if it is a form of fan service for mega neko fetishizers <laughs> or something. There's actually an anime called Megani Boo, which is about guys in glasses, but, you know, I digress. And not everyone who wears glasses in Japan can possibly have such ill-fitting frames. Probably not. Usually this is done by unsure characters to emphasize their uncertainty and can garner empathy for a young girl character. But then there's the cool glasses characters who will use this gesture very dramatically to emphasize they are now getting truly serious about the given situation, as part of winding up for some verbal action or combat maneuver to come. And if they are also viewing their target uh, askance from the corner of their eyes as they push up the frames into place, it adds a super saiyan power up to the effect. LMAO as I write this. It's true. Yes, good. It's a very popular quirk. Um, my my first instance of a character I'd think of that does that would be Yu Narakami from Persona, but there's probably many others. Uh, next we have Queen Inoue, who comes in with, Finally, a question I can answer without much difficulty. I like characters that are happy-go-lucky, but not hyper. The hyper ones exhaust me, so... Happiness is one quirk I like. For example, Picari from Imanchu is not a happy character the way I like happy characters. She is a bit too hyper, more along the lines more along the lines of I Nino Mia of Imanchu is more the happy character that I like. She isn't hyper, but she loves the jokes to joke around and pick on her brother. Lol. Alright, very good. Next one comes in by Death God, who I assume was office get office from last week. Because you said Death God. Uh, characters that have mastered something like Seri, Nomoribito Balsa, and Samurai Shampoo in Jinan Mugen. In shows with these traits, usually there's someone that is the foil character, Chag- Chagum and Fu, in their perspective shows, respective shows. This usually allows more world building and another way to challenge the main characters. In the case of Balsa, she has mastered her skills with the spear, for the most part living her life of a mercenary. Then she suddenly now has to take care of a child. In Samurai Shampoo, Jin and Mugen have to deal with Fu's quest. Having this point having this point of time being focused, you can pivot and show more character backgrounds if they have a longer show. On a shorter show, you can challenge the main characters due to circumstances with the world around them or their daily, of their daily lives. You may not get as much background, but it allows you to explore the world without the crutch of a character that is too weak or needs a training montage. So character quirks can affect even the type of shows I enjoy and lends itself to certain types of storytelling. For example, for example, if you're familiar with Lupin the Third, they base the show on the three main characters' skills, and you can tell a good variety of shows uh, and different locals. Uh, locales, I think is sorry. 
While some shows may get bogged down due to some characters being too underdeveloped and you can run into the issue with rushed endings. So I guess this is more of like a characters that are super specialized and stuff and masters of a, of their craft was the quirk. Uh, Margie B comes in with the first thing that comes to mind is when a male character just don't give a poo-poo doo-doo I know that's a filter from the forums uh, about the female characters cliche reactions like you're a perv etc. Also generally an MC is not a complete noob and total wuss who doesn't know better is always a big plus. Yeah, that's also true. Yeah, it's because you know usually there's characters that will react and be like you know they'll they'll follow the gag, but then you do get like sometimes the harem leads that just don't give a shit about the stereotypical stuff that's happening around them, and you can respect that. It's like they it's like they became one of the viewers for a moment of time. Um, and then our last post, maybe I have to refresh the page because I think Zaldera did make a post. Yeah, they did. Okay, uh, our next post comes in from Black Magic four 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 four. Uh, saying, my favourite has always been the Cheshire Cat Grin. It is usually made by characters who know more than they let on, by tricksters who are up to something. Uh, some notable examples are Lupin the Third, Kisuke Urahara from Bleach, Haruko from FLCL, Ed from Cowboy Beatbop, and my personal favourite, Ichihara Yuko from XXXHolic. Yep, that's, a, that's another one. I know that one mainly from Sailor Moon. There's a villain that had this Cheshire Cat Grin. But yeah, it's also a very popular one. It's a good way of expressing characters. There's also quite a few of them in Soul Eater too, actually, when they go crazy. Um, and then the last post, I believe, yes, the last one, is by Zaldera, who goes with the classic, the shaft look, aka the shaft head tilt. It's an odd stylistic look the characters have in any anime that is animated by them. This is when the characters turn to look at the camera, presumably another character, and tilts their head back at the same time as modelled by Hitaki Senjogahara from Bakemonogatari and the other Monogatari series. It actually happens in a bunch of their other shows too, that's not Monogatari too. Yeah, that's a, it's an interesting quirk. It's just an odd aesthetic that when they, tel- when they tilt their head like that. I'm such a fool for liking this quirk. Nah, not necessarily, I like it. I kind of like it. It kind of has that sort of edgy flair without being too edgy, it's weird. And just, it only makes sense in anime form and I kind of like it for that, but yeah. Uh, what about you, Joseph? For me, it's got to apply to Yandere's, of course. Um, and I think I'd have to say it's the dead-eyed stare, where yep. a female character is looking at their, you know, prospective um, husbando, and they are just—they give him like that, like completely, like blank-eyed, like look of like of want. But at the same time, like if like that character ever saw the female character looking at them like that, they would just be scared shitless because that's a kind of like you know like the G kind of look, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and just like yeah. the amount of like darkness behind those kind of stares, like the like the intentions behind them, like I'm going to tie you up and make you mine for the rest of your life, and you can't do anything about it, is just like yeah, that uh, that. Uh, that makes me happy. Now, there's two variations. There's one where it's like the one that you forwarded from um, uh, Seikano, where she has her, you know, it's just a more blank expression. But there's the one that's got a smile to it. Do you prefer when it's more blank or do you prefer when it has that smile? I think I like... 
it's hard to say because each of them have their own respective like points that are really good. The Saikano one where she's just looking down at him, that's more like a look of like, I'm going to kill you kind of look. But at the same time, it's like, it just, it, it kind of has the essence of that stare from the Yandere's. So it still uh-huh. gets me like all giddy. When I saw her look <laughs> at um look at the main character like that, I was like, oh, oh, that's a good look. I paused and I just sat around looking at her stare for like like I like maybe ten minutes just watching Put screen, that. Screen paste set as desktop picture. <laughs> Not that far. Um No. <laughs> no, but then like in um, Overlord 2, the princess character that shows up, who caught me out of fucking left field with her Yandere-esque vibes, where oh, yeah. she yeah. just exposes mm-hmm. herself to her brother and her, and, like, the Marquis as, like, this Yandere for her, like, bodyguard. Um, yeah. And, like, even they become, like, they're they're pretty, like, bad guys. They're not great in any sense. But even they are frightened out of the fucking skin by, like, the stares she gives them. Like, I'm going to kill him. Or she talks about how, like, I send him to the dangerous, most dangerous places ever so that I can maybe have him br- his legs break so that I can take care of him for the rest of his life. And that's, like, the, that's the kind of oh. stuff that I'm like, yes. So, the Yandere, <laughs> I'll call it the Yandere stare. <laughs> Alright, okay, yeah. The Yandere stare is a viable quirk. And that's as your vote for your favorite one. Yeah, And, um, like, you can even see that one in, uh, remember in Me, Me, Me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah where yeah. Mm-hmm. he, it goes, cuts back to reality. And the, uh, his, the drugged up version of his girlfriend pops out of the screen and like jumps around his room a couple times and then till it like it lands on top of him yep Mm -hmm. you remember when she first takes her mask off and she gives him that look of like you know like that crazed like yeah 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 dead eye Mm -hmm. stare look like that that right there was Mm -hmm. like i may have come a little bit (sighs) yeah gonna go change my pants now his uh in the sequel as well uh was it called girl has a lot of that too as well doesn't it uh, it yeah, the, the spiritual the, successor, yeah, yeah girl di- yeah, by Daiko. Yeah. Um, yeah, that one. It also does have a lot of dead, dead-eyed stares. Um, but she doesn't actually yeah. have like a yandere stare. She's more of like a a kudere, where she just like stares at everything like blankly. Ah, oh, there's a difference. Okay, distinction. Important yeah. to make. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. The massive uh, yandere's here, mm-hmm. here to inform you. To push up my fake glasses here. Although I do wear glasses right now, I'm wearing contacts, so I'll just push them ah, up. Okay. Like, <laughs> adjust know. your contacts. Just rub your two index fingers yeah, against just... your eye and just adjust them. Yep, yep. There you go. Yeah. I, I know yonderies, <laughs> and that that is not a yonderies stare. <laughs> Episode five fourteen. <laughs> tell you the truth. You have no idea what a yonderies stare is like. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Um, now my fav- uh the one I would probably just point to today would be, um, I like the Jojo poses, in particular, if I was to pick, it would basically be almost all of Jojo, because it's so quirky as a show, but I like the very over-the-top poses they do in that show, so that would be a quirk I really like. Also, the character quirks in terms of the dialogue, so 
all the Rees, the Aura Auras, the Muda Muda Mudas, you know, all those. Those would be the quirks on my mind. But that could just be because I've only just recently finished, just this week, um, Dojo Part 3. I actually finally finished Stardust Crusaders, which I think you finished as well, right? So, that would be the quirk I'd mention as my personal pick, as it were. Yare yare. Yare yare. Yeah, exactly. All those things, the catchphrases there. Yeah. Just Jojo. My my my, quirk, my favorite quirk is just Jojo. All of the Jojo. Speedwagon, Stroheim, all of it. I can YouTube oh, that for no. you. Oh my god. Oh yes, my yes, god. yes, yes, yes. It's just non-stop. Just everything. Yeah. yeah I, I, I live on that shit. Mm-hmm. Zawado! Tokyo <laughs> Tomari! Anyway, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna stop. Yeah. Just some yelling That's things, just ah, oh, so good. Just everything, yeah. It's just a, it's so energetic. I love it. Mm-hmm. The voice work makes that show, but then so does the animation. Just everything, yeah. Anyway. Except when it's censored. <laughs> oh yeah, the fucking cigarette with the fucking that was ridiculous. I heard I got some update from a friend about that about how um the reason that they censored the smoking there in particular is because he's supposed to be underage. Uh, Jotaro's oh. young is actually supposed to be underage, so it's like they didn't want to show underage smoking. Even though he's clear, like, Jotaro looks like a man, you know? I he can't look- believe he's... A- yeah, Yeah, those shoulders. Like, you don't get those shoulders from being a uh, high school student, okay? Yeah, exactly. He's not. <laughs> it's crazy. Just gonna pull some poses here. They're <laughs> fabulous. Here we go. Well, while you're posting those poses, I think we could probably get into our uh, industry news. Sure thing. And uh, you actually have two, and I only have one, so why don't you get us started with your first? So I'll hold off the poses for now and go into my first one, which is about how Dragon Ball Super Illustrator, that is the one who does the manga, known as Toyotaro, um, has sort of been caught in terms of like ripping off, well, not really ripping off, but tracing images from Marvel Comics in order to make his illustration. I mean, this is no secret that in the past he has, in fact, um, done trace work beforehand uh, for his manga itself, which was referencing Toriyama's old work, and you can find references of that online. But this one in particular was a Captain America pose that he that was from one of the Infinity Wars, I believe, comics or something, and he used this for an illustration for one of the more recent V-Jump magazines, in which you can see Goku Blue fighting the protagonist of one of the Yu-Gi-Oh! series. I don't know which one. I think it's Arc V. Maybe. I don't know. But anyway, he originally posted a deleted tweet now, but it had the sketch for it before it was finalized, and people were able to overlay it with the illustration of Captain America looking upwards in this very dynamic pose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the match is very uncanny, based on this, like, how much this Goku's pose resembles Captain America. So, you know, uh, they had the guy, the artist who did the Captain America artwork, have a look at this, and, you know, he doesn't really even himself know how to feel. Uh, He is, like, quoted first saying, like, apparently tagged with this tweet, and part of me feels flattered, and at the same time, I'm scratching my head. And then later on, he comes up with, this is surreal. I grew up as a kid referencing, not tracing, art of the Dragon Ball cards. And now I'm flattered that a Dragon Ball artist is tracing my work. This is weird. So yeah, you know, and, and people like in this this um 
article, they also point to how, like, My Hero Academia also does reference and t- references to, like, Ultimate Spider-Man in this comic here, you know, like, to American comic books. But the difference be that that is clearly a tribute and not a flat-out trace, you know, of the comic. It's invoking the imagery, but it's not, like, a, sh- like a line-by-line sort of trace of it. So, yeah. I mean... That's just kind of sad, honestly. <laughs> I, I guess he's very rushed for time, and there's not really any excuse I can think of. Um, don't do that. If you're paid to do something like this, you shouldn't trace artwork. And if not, if you do, there should have been some credit. But yeah, I, I think it's quite... The evidence is quite solid here that this is basically based off that captain picture. Uh, you can have a look for yourself, decide for yourself whether you think it was or wasn't, but you know, I think it's quite eerily similar. But yeah, there's that. Um, I've heard about stuff like this happening before, but never really like a Japanese artist copying from an American comic. That's the that's the first for me. I've heard of Japanese illustrators doing from other Japanese illustrators, but never like they've went to Western influences. But yeah, so is that it? Yep, that's it. All right. Well, uh, you know, do your own original work. Don't uh, don't copy people. Yep. Imitation is the biggest form of flattery, but not flat-out tracing. <laughs> yeah. Good art, good art is copied, bad art is stolen. I think that's how it went by Picasso. I can't remember. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, speaking of kind of stealing stuff, well, uh, you know New Game? Exclamation mark. Uh, uh, the manga, yeah. it's like that uh, about the girls, and I think, they, I think they make a video game or something like that, right? Yeah. Sure, we can call it that. <laughs> well, uh. the uh, manga creator, uh, Shotaro Takuno, uh, was a pretty cool guy. He would actually reply back to his fans with uh, personalized like graphics and like little tiny comic pieces with his signature and you know telling them like you know like they would write letters like oh, i'm suffering from depression yada yada blah 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 you know and he'd be like yo you can be gambare kind of thing with like his characters <laughs> yeah, yeah. female characters telling him like you can do it joe star san mm-hmm. well yeah uh he said he's not going to do that anymore and that's mm-hmm. because he found out that his fans have been reselling his uh, fancy paper boards that he's been specifically and specially drawing them after receiving their letters. Mm-hmm. He said he didn't give any particular incident that sparked its decision, but uh, a uh, Mandrake auction website user auctioned off a signed paper board that depicts the new game character uh, Alba and features the message, thank you for the letter. Uh, basically, you know, this was in direct response to one of the letters he received, and the fan was then selling off his specialized piece of work, which received five bids closing at 6,500 yen, or about 60 bucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's just sad. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not great. One fan, mm-hmm. or... A couple fans ruining it for a lot of fans who may have received these paper boards from that artist and or mangaka, and no longer it will no longer happen. Yeah, it just it just preys on the goodwill of people, you know. And you know, he took the time to draw and you know do these things for like he has no obligation to do so, and it's basically spat back in his face, which is a real shame. 
Yeah. I mean, say what I will about his work, but that was pretty cool of him to do initially. Humanity at its finest. Exactly. This is why we can't have nice things. Exactly. Yeah, and <sighs> so, yeah, that uh, does it for my little piece of news. Of, yeah, just don't, uh, if you ever get anything, like, I got stuff here from uh, Piero from Mega Tokyo. Yeah? And he signed off on it. Like, I went to Otakon one year. He signed a poster and did a, a, uh, a picture of uh, Megumi on the poster. Mm-hmm. And he even signed one of my manga uh, or graphic novels of Mega Tokyo with cool. um, a random character that he drew. It's the magical girl character from Mega Tokyo. So, uh, yeah. and I huh? even have a poster that he put out pre-orders for. And if you pre-order the poster, you got his signature. And I even have that. So, I mean, I have those, but I'm never going to sell them off until maybe, like, you know, I die or something. But that then that becomes, like, yeah. a collector's item. That's not something I, like, got and then immediately turned around and was selling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just obvious, it's basic respect, really, you know. Yeah, that's that's good of you to have that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, thing called uh, morals. I don't know if people have them yeah. anymore. Yeah, uh, they're 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 short. They're they're few and far between. You know, <laughs> they're in short supply. I mean, yeah, short supply. You know, they're they're at least they're more aptly named than something like common sense, which, despite it being called common sense, is not very common. So you know, at least it's not that. But yeah, cool. That's the moral of the story. Uh, I guess it moves us into the last bit of news we have for the day, mm-hmm. which is just another little flash in the plan, a bit of an update on the whole, you know, Steam has been known to be removing visual novels, uh, you know, from, well, threatening to remove visual novels with explicit content from their library due to new policies that have been put into place. And in light of that, Manga Gamer, one of the, I think they're a game publisher who put out a lot of the sort of visual novel games are, are moving and made a deal to move a lot of their content onto GOG, which I'd never heard of, but, you know, everyone else here seemed to have heard of. Was, was it something good, good, what? Good old games. Good old game. Good old games, right. Okay. And they're one of Steam's competitors, so it's going to be distributed there. Um, you know, so there were all sorts of threats there amongst their games being removed, although Steam has retracted quite a few of their statements about it, saying that, you know, their games are safe. But in light of this, you know, they're still going to move forward and move a few of their games over, at least for now. Hopefully they're aiming to move their entire library over. So the CEO, I don't know if it's CEO, John Pickett, the um, yes, PR director, sorry, has come out and said things such as, you know, this is an opportunity that couldn't have come at a better time. We've been speaking with GOG prior to recent events about adding visual novel as a genre to their retail platform, uh, with and with Valve now threatening the livelihood of visual novel developers else everywhere it's a huge relief to see gog opening the doors for these games end quote uh, pickett also said that um you know they hope to move the whole catalog like i just said there um they're, they're going to be launching the first games that they will be launching include but not limited to fault sunrider eden with a star don't know why there's a star there and higurashi when they cry that's one's particularly popular and there's, you know, there's talks of adding other titles, including Kindred Spirits, which was also the first explicit content visual novel, I believe, that they released on Steam as well. 
Uh, last, it ends on the last quote from Pickett, which states, uh, Steam has now proven that they are growing unreliable for small and indebe- independent developers, so we are very grateful to have the next biggest retailer in the PC market welcoming visual novels with open arms and an eye for quality. And that's about it. So yeah, I mean, I didn't really have too much, uh, you know, concerns in this sort of field, but I did think that, you know, should Steam eventually pull the plug on this whole thing, it's not like it will kill the entire genre off the internet anyway. People will find a way to get it. In fact, like, when the internet was brand new and stuff, it was even harder to get access to these games, even before Steam was such a big thing. So, yeah, it's not, it's never going to go away, at least how the way things are. The people who, aren't gonna, who are going to stop you from getting access to these games won't be the companies. It'll be your governments. So, that's the, mor- <laughs> the moral. I don't know if it's a moral, but yeah, that would be my closing point on that. All right. And that's it. Yep. Okie dokie. I mm-hmm. think that uh, wraps us up for our industry news. We can uh, mosey on over to our, uh, our was this our second hybrid show? Yep. Indeed it is. Yep. Okie dokie. Well, uh, you have two previews, and I have one review, so why don't you get us started with your first? Okay. Yeah, no, they're both shorter than the normal ones. This one's particularly short. The first one is, at, at least. Um, okay. So, cartoons are for kids. Anime are cartoons. Thus, anime are for kids. Specifically, Aromanga Sensei. In, in the spirit of that, today we'll be covering anime that are okay for children to watch, or as I've heard it said online, SFW. Our first serving will be Leighton Mystery Tantasha Katri no Nazotoki File, based from Level 5's game, Leighton's Mystery Journey, Katriel and the Millionaire's Conspiracy. Which, I don't see the word file there in the game's title, so I think they've went for a new, for a new sort of name for the anime, but anyway... The story follows the latent detective agency, headed up by your, our protagonist, the highly intelligent and quirky professor Catriel Layton, wherein with her assistant Noah and their dog Cher, they solve an assortment of mysteries brought to them by various clients. Episode 1 is called Catriel and the Mysterious House, no doubt a reference to the first game in the original series, Professor Layton and the Mysterious Village. Perhaps you've heard of it. Despite this being a kid's show, uh... Being a kid's show and it not being too hard to figure out where the clues, um, with the clues presented, I'm going to stick to summarizing the case alone without divulging the details, as I wouldn't want to spoil the point of a mystery type show, even if it's just episode one. So this is going to be quite a short one, as I said before. The episode begins with a man named Simon Light with a case about a mysterious house that, after buying from a shady estate agent and moving into with his family, seems to have made them mysteriously vanish. The situation seems to be more desperate as Scotland Yard's officer that they sent in to investigate has also been whisked away by some unknown entity. This obviously piques the curiosity of Lady Leighton. Could this be the result of some haunting, curse, or something far less sinister? Anyways, this anime, I suspect calling back to the video game roots, attempts to be somewhat of an interactive experience as it attempts to solve the, uh, to involve the viewer as an investigator rather than a passive audience member. Whenever a clue is collected, it's added to an on-screen sort of inventory, urging you to try and piece things together yourself. Characters at times will also posture and even talk directly to the camera as if there's a live studio audience, 
and eventually you're asked by Noah whether you have put things together with the evidence on screen right before Catri's big deduction. I do like this approach and I think it would I would have appreciated it more as a kid when Dora the Explorer was getting a bit too easy for me. This anime uh, seems very loyal to the source material which isn't surprising given that it's handled by, well, no, it's produced by Level 5 themselves. Although the studio that's actually handling the, helming the production would be Lidden Films. The same folks behind such timeless classics as Roku Denashi Majutsu Kokushi to Akashic Records, Killing Bites, and Berserk 2016. The animation is pretty energetic all the way through, no obvious dips in quality here. Uh, the art style is standout and appealing, and the overall colours and lighting packs that nice latent balance of very bright and yet atmospheric when it needs to be. I find the atmosphere is also contributed to by the music box style tunes in the episode, though I found the tracks used for the OP and EDs functional, but forgettable. Each element feeds into others despite the aesthetics helping to define the characters on screen. Uh, the dialogue helps to actually sell what at the end of the day are a pretty simple yet charming cast of characters. Now personally I would have liked a deeper more mysterious overarching narrative to be brought to the forefront immediately with some more head scratching riddles interspersed here and there but as it is Lady Layton is an enjoyable package that I think kids and fans of the series may enjoy and is charming for all ages. I'll keep watching, though just every now and then, as it's not one of those I have to watch and know what happens next week sort of shows. And that's about it. Really. Well, that was short indeed. Yep, it is short. <laughs> I don't right. want to spoil anything because it's like, you know, evidence this, evidence this, clues. I don't want to say, I don't want to tell you who done it, you know? Right, it's like if you were to review any of the, uh, the, uh, um, Shoot. Murder shows? Is there a murder show? No, the show? other video game mystery solver anime. Danganronpa? No. Phoenix the... Wright? Phoenix Wright, yes. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would not I would never tell you who done it. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the same sort of thing. Yeah, so uh, speaking of... Uh, you mentioned Killing Bites. Funny you I mentioned did. that. That's my review. Yeah. What a quinky dinky. So, uh, did you ever think someone would anthropomorphize a meme and turn it into an anime? No? No. Well, think again. Because in Killing Bites, we get just that. A series about a honey badger proving that, in fact, she has the sharpest fangs. And does so by biting, slashing, and dismembering her way through all sorts of other animal-human hybrids. You know, because battle royales are all the rage right now. Which is only slightly amusing, since the series began way before the whole PUBG and Fortnite craze. In manga yeah, form, at least. Right. Mm-hmm. But did this anime succeed in capturing the same feeling? Or did it just become a roadkill passed by on a busy highway? First ah, things first. Ever. This anime, for anyone who has no clue about the series, has quite the start. A lone high school girl is walking down a street when a van pulls up alongside her. The door opens, and she's pulled in by a few guys with unsavory plans for her. The driver of this van, a man by the name of Nomoto, is freaking out, as he had no idea this is what his new friends meant by picking up chicks. His consciousness gets the better of him, and he stops the van. 
but is soon told to keep driving by the same girl, who also warns him not to look in the back. The camera pans, and we see that all those would-be rapists are now bits and pieces torn apart with gruesome abandon. You see, this girl they abducted is actually an animal-human hybrid by the same name of Hitomi, her animal half being that of the infamous Honey Badger. (laughs) It's not long before Nomoto is pulled into an underground world full of these hybrids, learning that, after witnessing Hitomi battle a lion hybrid named Leo, these hybrids are made to participate in an underground battle royale known as Killing Bites. The biggest and most powerful families in Japan decide who controls the country's direction by placing their best hybrids in the royale. The surviving hybrid of the corresponding family being the directing, or sorry, the deciding factor. Not exactly an efficient or cheap manner of going about it, but we're led to believe that the rich and powerful honestly have nothing better do to do than, you know, watch the carnage unfold as the whole event is broadcast live to them. <laughs> Nomoto himself is neither of these things, however, and is actually a bit of a coward. For the most part, he just lets Satomi do her thing, uh, stating that his strongest attribute is trusting her to do the thing she feels is the best course of action. His whole persona is sort of a wet blanket, but thankfully the very ending teases that he has changed. Uh, More on that in a bit, though. The anime, being the first season, has a good deal of character introduction. We meet important players in the Royale, powerful hybrids, and some side characters that don't really matter. The most prominent players being the scientist guy who was responsible for inventing the hybridization process, His name is Shido, and he is the only person who is able to fully control Hitomi. Turns out he didn't Mm. even create her, as she was just some freak hybrid that he had been searching for to help complete his research. The other big name is Yoko, the granddaughter of the head of the currently leading family who wishes to see her grandpa free from the corrupting influence of killing bites. It's amusing, as she displays that the true nature of her family is very sadistic, often putting on a wide range of facial expressions that gave away this fact. I ended up calling her the Queen of Emotion, though I'm not sure if I'm okay with how things wound up for her, especially considering the ending of uh, uh, not only losing the royale, but also her grandfather in a surprising act of betrayal. Should have made friends with Nomoto, I'm guessing. Besides Hitomi, who comes off as the strongest, there were a few other hybrids worth mentioning. You have the Lesbo Cheetah, with a brother complex, a bunny girl who ends up winning the royale by default, a rapey snake dude who gets his dick cut off, a hippo who is a pretty nice guy that works for a pretty hot lady, an armadillo that loves nature and killing anyone who doesn't, and a slew of others who didn't really live long enough for us to even care. What's surprising (laughs) is that the victor is not Hitomi, who I honestly thought was bound to be the winner. Even more surprising is the ending, which I didn't see coming at all. I mean, we get this touching scene between Nomoto and Hitomi, everything seems like it's gonna end up with a romance, 
But it's all put to an end with Hitomi cutting the Moto down and leaving him for dead. The whole world changes Ooh. after this, with hybrids becoming the new hotness and killing bites becoming something akin to a sport. I honestly was surprised, though I was less surprised when we are left with a few words from the more badass-looking Nomoto. I knew he wouldn't be dead, but I yeah. could only speculate as to what his hybrid might be. Maybe a wolverine? That might make sense as they might be the only animal that is readily compared to the honey badger in terms of ferocity. So, uh, the animation produced here was by Linden Films, uh, who has also been the same group behind uh, animation like Arslan Senki, Yamada-kun to Seven in Nomajo, and Terraformars. I must say these mm-hmm. guys get a pretty good job quality was above average all the way through the 12 episode season as for the voice acting i'm not sure if it's because they want a second season but this was another category that was surprisingly good wataro hatano played a perfect nomoto sounding both very normal and also very weak but not weak in a bad way because nomoto is supposed to be weak for the most part on the other hand sora uh, amamiya was a great source of cocksure winning attitude for Hitomi, though her in-battle voice was kind of tame and lacked the same punch that some of the more forgettable hybrids had. As for my favorite character, well, I'm actually giving this to one of the uh, lesser-known characters, the overseer of the Battle Royale, a woman by the name of Mai. First off, she appealed to me on a purely physical basis, being introduced to us, <laughs> having a nice businesswoman look to her. Then, uh-huh. personality really shone through as she hosted the event, reeling that she's really into f- the fighting and combat. Like, she really gets into it. And thirdly, oh. during the end of the Royale, she is shown to be very strong herself, as some of the uh, hybrids that she deals with, who entered the tournament illegally, uh, had to be killed off, and she does end their lives in a very swift manner. Not sure if she'll be around for a second season, but for this season at least, she wins this award for me. What animal is Mai, by the way? Mai's animal is never revealed. Um, oh. I can't really tell you or uh, guess what her animal is, but I'll give you a picture here of what she looks okay. like. Mm-hmm. That is my, you know, she's got that kind of business, business girl look to her, business office woman look, you know. Oh, she's yeah, 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 yeah. Very, <laughs> very true. formal and respectful, like, outside of, like, the Royale. But when she's hosting oh. the Royale, she's, like, screaming and she's, like, like almost salivating, yeah. like, ah, oh, yes, they're killing each other, ripping each other's arms off. Yes, yes, do it more. Like, I she's t- almost getting off If you scroll it. off, I posted a picture of her, actually, a few pictures up. That's her there talking about. Yeah, like, she's doing, she's doing that expression and everything. There you that's go. Ba- that's, that's basically that. her. That's her. Okay. Cool. So yeah, uh, as for the final score for Killing Bites, though, I'm gonna give it a Crackers. Crackers. Crackers nice. for Good Good Honey yeah. Badger. Don't care. I mean uh, Badger, Badger, Badger. I mean Killing Bites. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Sounds like a good overall package. So you're happy with the way it ended and everything? And yep. 
and in the manga, they are continuing yeah. and you know, in a very way that I'm not even like I don't even see coming. Like in the manga, um, as I've said, Nomoto shows back up. So spoilers for anyone not reading the manga. Um, and <laughs> these two other characters show up. A uh, um, kind of like a goth punk looking chick and a very like schoolgirl looking uh, chick. And the schoolgirl is a beagle hybrid, like the dog. Um, ah, right, right. I forget what the goth punk girl is, but they become teammates as Nomoto actually hires on the beagle because he feels that she can become the next champion of killing bites just because of like her killing presence. Um, we huh. don't see Nomoto ever revealing what he is yet, but it seems that he has basically gone off the deep end after he was struck down by, um, after he was struck down by our, uh, honey badger he told me like he really was like hmm. I, fuck that bitch fuck her I'm going to kill her for betraying my trust like this she can go suck all the dicks like he like it seems <laughs> okay. like he studied up on all the different types of hybrids he became like a leading expert into like anything he could when it came to hybrids and now he's out for blood mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right okay and that's all going to be in season two if they make it, basically. Potentially, yes. I don't yeah, know if there will be a season two for the anime, but at least for the manga, they're continuing forward, and I gotta say, it's still pretty good. I like it. Hmm. Okay. I, yeah, I'm seeing some comparisons here between the manga and anime. Thinking, like, to be honest, I'm enjoying like, the manga aesthetic slightly more. I don't know. Not that the anime is bad looking or anything, but I think the anime... Well, I mean, the manga manga is almost always better looking than the anime, just because you have more time. Yeah, Yeah, I guess. They've went through some effort, I suppose, with the anime to give them some more muscle definition in the drawings. I've noticed they've given them a lot more muscles. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot more shading there. So I guess they've they've tried to make them look a bit more like, okay, these are are not just supermodels, but actually fighters, so they're going to have to... They're going to have to have some, like, muscle toning there. Like, here, I'll show you. This is Nimoto, uh, Nomoto mm-hmm. when he first shows up. That's what he looks like. And the um, very last scene of the anime, this uh-huh. is what he looks like afterwards. What's that? Loads? Yep, Any day now? Nice. There it is. Oh, okay, he's got, a, he's got more of a wry smile to himself. He's, he's, got, he's planning something. He's a schemer. Got more confidence, I can see. So he has a he has a story arc then, or something. Yeah, I like guess. something clearly happened to him after he was cut down. I'm guessing he was saved. His life was saved by um, becoming a hybrid himself. But they haven't even hinted that he is a hybrid. They just keep saying like he did a bunch of studying and he's super like super up to date on anything and everything about all hybrids. Like you tell him a hybrid and he'll tell you its weakness. Ooh. I see, I see. So, like, he means to kill everything that, like, destroyed his life. Hmm. Okay. Okay. That seems like a good setup. So, so he's actually kind of going to become the villain, even though he wasn't a villain to begin with, then. I won't say he's a villain, but he's definitely... He's more like the Punisher, where he's, like, ah, he's out for vengeance. Mm-hmm. Justice. Yeah, so, uh... Okay. Yeah, that, uh, that's uh, Crackers. 
Crackers, okay. crackers, yeah. crackers, 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 well crackers, 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 uh, kids these days aren't aren't old enough to understand the old school memes. Uh, back in my day, they mm. weren't even called memes; they were just called like like popular videos. Yeah, just you just had the websites and you were just virals. Yeah, like, Zeldera got it. Viral videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, very cool stuff. Uh, shall I move on to our ending preview? If you have anything else to say? Indeed. Yes, please. Okay. Okay, right. Okay, so uh Kitaro is a new readaptation of an old ass manga from the nineteen sixties by Shigeru Mizuki. That name's gonna be important later, so write that down. It's a well known piece that I never knew about until I heard it would be replacing Dragon Ball Super's weekly time slot, so it gets into my good graces quite early. One thing I can claim, it's, it's one claim to fame for sure, is the heavy popularization of folklore creatures known as yokai in modern day media. So, films like Spirited Away down to the more recent franchises like Yokai Watch owe something to this, but that's all backstory. How good is 2018's version of Gegege looking from the start? Now, after an opening monologue by the protagonist Kitaro about how there's a world that most people can't see, and a catchy opening that I think is pretty charming and well done, Gage takes on a rather episodic monster of the week sort of, or I guess yokai of the week sort of format. We get the initial incident of a yokai causing mischief, which in this case is a horrific, is it horrifically mutating people into blood trees, you know, for the kids. Since it's episode 1, we gotta introduce the main characters and inject them into the plot, with the viewer surrogate being a schoolgirl called Mana. After the glasses kid of the group insists that this, this tree thing is the work of a yokai, Mana tries to enlist the help of Kitaro, a being known for being able to drive away yokai. He has the appearance of a small, sheepish looking boy with a big googly eye, the other eye being covered by his emo fringe, and he's also cosplaying as Chie from Persona 4. Also he's always accompanied by his father, or what's left of him, that being a eye with a small body attached to it. The daddy is also Goku. Anyways, with Kitoro on the case, Mana accompanies him to find that this week's yokai is a green blobby snake-like thing called a Nobiagari, which, well, with no real head but just an eye at the front. It's, a, it's apparently most like a vampire in behaviour, however, as it, it turns people into trees in order to harvest their blood. It can also sprout sets of ethereal arms and fire lasers and shit. In the first skirmish, Kitaro gets caught while protecting Mana and gets infected himself, turning into a tree, but manages to survive by reforming himself out of the fruit that grows from the tree itself. It works in context, trust me. In round 2, he demonstrates three of his attacks, the remote control Geta, where he launches his footwear at the opponent. Um, I don't know about the remote control part because it just seems to go in a straight line, but we'll, I'll, I'll just give it the benefit of the doubt that it comes into play later. A technique where he fires needles from his hair, and a spirit gun where he points his finger and shoots lasers. Surprisingly, it takes a very coincidental fumble from Mana herself to reveal that this yokai's weakness is its eye, which you don't need to be a Zelda fan like me to have figured out. The day is saved, everyone who was turned into trees revert back to normal including Logan Paul. All's well that ends well, am I right? Except, oh no, Kitaro is shot in the back by some hooded mask figure, ending the episode on a surprisingly grim cliffhanger. 
So, for a franchise that I hadn't the foggiest idea about what a Gegege was before, I think this was surprisingly good. By the way, Gegege is just the sound of someone chuckling. You get a pretty good introduction to the setting and the characters here, with enough narrative threads to keep you wanting to tune in to next week and learn more such more about such characters that are hinted at but not shown as the cat-themed girl that's the user that's online that points Mana and Kitaro's direction to begin with. Uh, there's details about how the yokai world works, hinted at by how Mana is learning to be able to see the yokai and her mysterious power of coincidences. Uh, right down to Kitaro's ambiguous backstory about how he was saved by a, na uh, by a man called Mizuki at a young age. And if you refer to your notes, you'll find that that is the same name as the original mangaka. Coincidence? I think not! That's not to mention the actual Fred left over with him being sniped and all that. The animation is there, uh, is all there, and it's quite decent enough, with the art direction being both faithful and yet nice, with a nice look of paint over the prior iterations of the series, such as the 2007 version of the anime or the original source material. This isn't just a in-presentation either, mind you, and that's re that's received an update. Obviously, there were no there were no smartphones back in 1960s. But they are integral to this episode's plot, meaning that what we're seeing are original stories with the Gigage framework, brought to a modern era. This episode is a commentary about the narcissism that comes with modern technology, and how the yokai targets people is a reflection of that. The first victim is portrayed as an obnoxious YouTube personality who pulls pranks like standing in the middle of a crossroad and doesn't respect culture by tearing up a paper seal that initially actually releases the monster that was sealed away. People who exhibit similar behaviour and capturing all this on their smartphones suffer a similar fate also becoming trees. I like how this was handled throughout the episode and wasn't too in your face about telling the viewer something like, gee, people sure do spend too much time on their phones these days, I'll tell you what. There's nothing like that, which I can respect. So yeah, uh, Gigage is looking pretty good. -go good. Sorry. Um, I will probably keep watching it. Albeit at a leisurely pace. You win this round, Toei Animation, but I will get you back. Somehow. When I cover Dragon Ball Super, that is, one day. I like that gig. Good, good. <laughs> <laughs> Cheesy puns, you know. Yeah. I couldn't resist. I was trying to find another way to wrap it up, but, you know. Yeah, see, I try to go for that, too, with my little roadkill comment. I was like, I'm going to do like what Andrew does. I'm going to become cool, too. Like, what can I do here? I'll make a roadkill reference because it's animal hybrids. Get it? Yeah. And, like, you're probably, Genius. like, the only one who got it. And you were like, oh, I see if we did there. Clever. I see what you did there. I know. I know. I got that. I got that. I'm, 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 I'm so resonant. I, I got it. And then Zaldera got that I was referencing game theory earlier on as well. When I was doing the coincidence thing. Because he always does that shit. But that's a just a theory. A game <laughs> theory. Thanks exactly, for yeah. watching. You have to make it as obnoxious sounding as possible to really do the impression. You don't have to try and sound like him. You have to make it go really over yeah. the top. Could the purple it. guy from Five Nights at Freddy's <laughs> be the same character from Mario Sunshine? I don't know, but that's just a game theory. A game theory. <laughs> Could all the Shonen Jump stories be in the exact same universe? 
Because the spirit gun from Giga Gear is the same from Yu Yu Hakusho. Coincidence? Oh, no, okay, I'll stop. He used to be cool. Yeah, yeah, that he did. I, I really did originally, you know, before it became so formulaic, you know. Also, like, before it became, like, all about the money with him, where it's just like, yeah. I'm on YouTube Red now, here's a theory. Like, yeah, and some are, are all my shows direct being well. directed by mm -hmm. YouTube now? I don't know. It could just be a theory, a game theory, because all my theories suck these days. Yeah, especially the lore-based ones. I wish he'd just stick to science. Like, if you're a Persona fan and you actually watched his Persona series one, oh my god, you you'd be just like hitting your head off your desk constantly. He did one on like Persona Four, and I can tell you, I don't know if you've played Persona Four. It's so wrong that it's just not even funny. It's crazy. Yeah, he uh, he did something like that in um, where he was doing Star Wars and he was trying to say like, oh, you know, maybe the characters from uh, like the the knights of um, uh -huh. the knights who follow oh, the around. Um, oh, yeah, the red the red guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The mask. Mm -hmm. uh, the, yeah. the new the new Darth Vader dude. Uh, Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren, like the Knights of Ren or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he was like, maybe they're the same, maybe they're the same characters from the, from Rogue One, because look at they look similar. And it's like, except all the characters die. The end. <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah, exactly. But that's the thing, because he ends it that way, just a theory... It's like this ultimate annoying shield he has, where it's like, you know, you, you can say, hey, your thing's factually incorrect and stuff, and it's just all wrong. Hey, but it was just a theory, bro. It's just a theory. Stop taking it so seriously. What are you doing? Why are you so maybe, it? Yeah, it's like, maybe you should that. stop throwing shield. shit at the wall, and we might stop yeah. becoming annoyed by your dumb theories. Mm -hmm. It's like, you don't yeah. need to watch my videos then, bro. And it's like, yeah, except yeah. YouTube, like, puts your shit everywhere, so. Yeah, and he prefaced his Persona 4 one. By saying, like, oh, the fans, they're so obnoxious and they're going to be on my back, you know. Like, I've only done this and that, but I had it fact-checked, guys, so stop, stop, like, nitpicking at me, you know. like So he starts off the theory very, like, defensive and putting up his flame walls, but it's like, no, we're just, we're not annoyed. We're just, like, you're just, you're just wrong. Like, it's like when you can't take right the criticism, you should yeah. just get out of the game. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, I know Miles uh, Luna from Rooster Teeth recently did that, where he's like... Like, I love yeah. when fans give me criticism, but those motherfuckers need to learn their place. And it's like, excuse me? <laughs> this is the most backhanded sort of, like, he was he was almost there. He almost had awareness. And then, ah. Uh, like, I don't mind it. criticism. It's great. It's great. So, like, some of them are just fucking dumb, annoying cunts. And it's like, this motherfucker, like, needs to get kicked in the head a couple times. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, although yeah. he probably has been kicked in the head a couple times. And that's why he thinks that his writing is good. Oh, burn, burn! Yes, he's not. I don't. That I'm is why Ruby sucks now. Black magic. Uh -huh. You see, what happened was Monty had a good idea, and then he died, and then Rooster Teeth was like, "Well, this is a cash cow. We can't let it die." And then Full Screen was like, "Nah, fuck! You can't let it die. You put someone else in charge." And they're like, "Hey, Miles, you were working on with Monty, right?" And he's like, "Yeah." Can you do it still? And Monty's like, yeah, I can. I'll honor Monty's, Monty's, Monty's ghosts. And then Monty's rolling around <laughs> in his grave like, 
Fuck oh. you, Miles. Fuck you. I had to temper all your dumb fucking ideas. And then he brought Carries in, who just jerks faster. off over Ruby all the time. Oh. God. Those two are the worst. I see. I don't know too much about that whole thing of Ruby and stuff, but... Take your word for it. <laughs> yeah. But I think that, uh, I think that, uh, wraps up this show. We're still running here. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for stopping by and checking in. And until next time, keep watching, keep listening, and keep the anime love strong. <laughs>